Recording live from the ARC studios, welcome to the Sustainability Podcast. Our goal is to provide engaging discussions on a broad range of topics regarding cybersecurity, sustainability, supply chain management, plus much more. For more information and to get into contact with us, visit us at arcweb.com. Welcome to the Sustainability Podcast from ARC Advisory Group. I'm Jim Frazier, Vice President of Smart Cities here at ARC. And today we have one of my colleagues, Gavin Simon, who is our lead sustainability analyst. And he'll be talking with us today about carbon capture technology. Uh, Gavin, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, Jim. How are you doing? Uh, very, very well. Um, Gavin, can you briefly introduce yourself and perhaps focus on why are you interested in this carbon capture space? Yes, of course. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I cover emerging technologies, and I also cover uh, energy regulations within the United States and also internationally. So a fun part about my job is the two days are never the same, and I'm always covering new and emerging technologies, which include carbon capture and sequestration, utilization, and transportation. Beautiful. Um, so what motivated you to get involved in this space and, and how have you seen it evolve in the brief time that it's been uh, you know, in the ecosystem? Great question. So when this topic came across my desk or when somebody asked me to uh, what was my thought process on covering this topic, I was instantly engaged. I think I've been instantly engaged once I first heard about carbon capture back in my days at the University of Florida. I've always heard about the company Climeworks that has a current carbon capture facility in Iceland. And I always thought it was like a very futuristic technology that there might not be a lot of uh, serious investment. But in recent years, there has been a lot of serious investment, especially from the federal government and the public sector. Of course, then obligated to ask you about <laughs> legislation that has uh, been enacted that, you know, impact the, the carbon capture market. Uh, in particular, but also the larger just environmental technology um, market. Uh, can you introduce some of those to our audience? <laughs> yes, of course. Well, I think my name by now is uh, Gavin Inflation Reduction Act Simon because I've been fo- focusing so much on the IRA. Um, the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, was passed last August in 2022, which provides about $400 billion to clean energy investments and which was just like a massive and record-setting investment into clean energy globally, but also especially in the United States, and it sets us on a path to net zero emissions by 2050. But before the Inflation Reduction Act, there was also another bill called the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, which was passed in 2021, which will also be investing within the next five years around $550 billion to help basically prop up and start 60 new DOE programs. So these two bills obviously include a lot of investments for a lot of different clean energy technologies and markets and industries. But today, let's just focus on the carbon capture space. Sure. So as not to overwhelm our audience with an awful lot of acronyms and numbers, <laughs> let's, let's, let's step through this um, in, in a granular fashion. So we have these two pieces of legislation 
can we um can I ask you, you know, what does each one of them focus on? Is it uh, is it market technology? Is it R and D? Um, what are each of their individual goals? Because I understand they're not they're not addressing the same um, targets. Right, of course. So between the two, let's just start off here. Between the IRA and the bipartisan infrastructure law, the policies included in these packages are on track to deliver a 13-fold scale-up of carbon management capacity and 210 to 250 million metric tons in annual emissions reductions by 2035. Since 1972, carbon capture, we've only been able to capture around 200 million metric tons. And these are through resources such as the 45Q tax credit, which is included in the Inflation Reduction Act. But actually, the tax credit started in 2008, but the Inflation Reduction Act uh, basically reinstated it and expanded this tax credit, increasing the value, increasing the transferability of this tax credit to other taxpaying entities, and also increased the threshold, let me rephrase that, it decreased the carbon threshold that companies must uh, capture to be able to allow to receive this 45Q tax credit. So I'll throw some numbers at you really quickly. Before the Inflation Reduction Act, the 45Q tax credit was providing $50 per metric ton of CO2 capture. Today, in 2022, the 45Q tax credit is providing $85 per ton. The Inflation Reduction Act also expanded that credit, included direct air capture, which is direct air capture is when facilities and um, technologies can actually capture carbon from the atmosphere and surrounding air. And right now, the 45Q tax credit is providing $180 per metric ton of CO2 uh, captured uh, by these direct air capture facilities, which is, in, in a sense, a basically $180 subsidy. For these companies mm-hmm. per metric ton. Um, but so, Gavin, um, let me attempt to re- rephrase this and see if I understood it correctly. Mm-hmm. The the tax uh, credit rose right. from fifty to to much higher numbers. It went up by fifty or a hundred percent in some cases, eighty five percent in some cases. Yep. Um, and that that certainly is impactful. But additionally. The size of qualifying projects was scaled back from X to about 5% X. Mm-hmm. So, so much smaller projects are, are now eligible for this funding, you know, right. under this program. And, you know, as a result, um, you know, smaller, I don't want to say pilot projects or proof of concept, but, but actual producing projects can actually get the tax credit without being a um you know a huge commitment right um, and, and this is thought to spur innovation and uh, you know and, and grow the market um uh, and then also uh, there is there is a um direct payment model too isn't there as part of yes. this yes there is and that is only available for the first five years uh, the Inflation Reduction Act is actually a 10-year plan, so companies can receive this the direct payment option for the first five years. Another thing, just after that one thought, Jim, basically with the lower thresholds, this this allows 54%, 54% of the current carbon capture technologies and companies were not able to basically qualify for the 45Q tax credit. But now since the IRA has passed, has allowed that 54% to qualify to receive this tax credit. So that's over half of the market. 
<clears throat> so in the past, half the market wasn't eligible, but now virtually every provider is. Mm-hmm, exactly. Beautiful. Um, is there a limit, a, an annual limit to this tax credit or to the funding? Currently, no. It, this is uncapped. Previously, okay, yes. Currently, it, no, but previously there used to be a cap. And another reason why the Inflation Reduction Act reinstated the 45Q tax credit was because it was actually running out in 2022. 2022 is actually supposed to be the last year of the 45Q. Okay, but now the 45Q runs to 2030, I believe? Uh, 2033. Okay, 2033. Um, <clears throat> so that that's a pretty good overview for me and hopefully for our audience of the IRA. Yes. Um, Let's delve. So, so just summing up on the IRA, there's there, there's tax credits, there, there, direct payments, and it's for producing equipment, actual manufacturer, commercial, not necessarily off the shelf, but commercial equipment to be deployed today or between now and uh, the 2030s. Um, how does that differ? And can you describe the the bipartisan infrastructure effort? <clears throat> of course. So, actually, when I started this topic, I was only going to be focusing on the Inflation Reduction Act. But through my research, I found that there was a large investment made by the bipartisan infrastructure law that was passed in November 2021. Around $67 billion was provided to the DOE to basically deploy uh, multiple demonstration projects and also basically these pilot programs. In the next five years, these pilot programs will be announced uh, for clean energy, uh, clean hydrogen, carbon capture, and grid-scale energy storage. Uh, in August of 2023, two of these projects were announced with uh, basically one of the projects were uh, based in Louisiana and the other project was based in Texas. And both of these projects together will be able to uh, capture around 2 million metric tons of CO2 annually. So the bipartisan infrastructure law is... Basically, the research and development investment, the 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 much needed technological deployment and development within the carbon capture space. The IRA is more of like an active subsidy for an active carbon capture processing facility. The bipartisan infrastructure law is let's get this started. The the federal government will take the risk and they will uh, basically go through the lengthy processes of accepting these applications and reviewing these projects. But I think a really cool part about the bipartisan infrastructure law is it's not just the federal government that are actually deploying these projects. They are partnering with private companies such as Climeworks that has an active facility in Iceland. Climeworks is actually going to be the facility based in Louisiana. So we're just seeing a nice like liaison between the public and private sector coming together to work together to deploy these carbon capture technologies within the United States. You know, Gavin, when I when I read your uh, read ahead notes um, of some of your your work and white papers, you know, in this area, yeah, you talked about the the Louisiana project and as well as one in Texas. Can you spend a little time describing, you know, each one of those? Uh, who are the suppliers that are involved? Who are the other stakeholders? Um, just to give our our, our uh, audience a little background of these first two projects. Sure, I will provide you as much information I could find on the <laughs> DOE website. 
But basically, these are the two first, the two pilot projects out of the four pilot projects that will be announced. Uh, the first one, like I said, was in Louisiana, which is in collaboration with Climeworks and Heirloom Technologies. This hub intends to rely on Gulf Coast sequestration for offtake and geologic storage of CO2. In addition, this will be providing 2,300 jobs domestically within Louisiana, and they also aim to hire 10% of their employees who were formerly employed by the fossil fuel industry. Uh, the other project that was announced, which is in South Texas, which is a direct air capture hub, is in um, partnership with 1.5, a subsidiary of Occidental and its partners, Carbon Engineering and Workly. So there is multiple private uh, partners working together with the public public sector here. Um, they seek to help to develop and demonstrate a direct air capture facility designed to capture and store up to 1 million metric tons of CO2 annually with an associated uh, saline geologic CO2 storage site. So I know a lot of our eyes are glazing over here. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, but, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that. Yeah. Um, the, for, for me, the, um, the infrastructure, the RA, is uh, fairly straightforward. Tax credits time frame, uncapped, some direct payment for working projects. Mm-hmm. The the bipartisan infrastructure law is uh, a quite is quite a bit more broad. It, it it you know it's assisting in funding of these these two um arguably keystone projects, but it has um oh uh a very large number of smaller initiatives that are that are wrapped wrapped in there. Um, including, I know, uh, well, heck, you know, Gavin, it's your white paper. I'm not going to read it. But, <laughs> you know, out of the probably two dozen bullets you've listed of important initiatives that are funded by, by, by this law, uh, which of these jump off the page and um, which ones should we pay attention to? I think the most interesting ones personally are these these four regional direct air capture hubs, which I listed the first two of them. These hubs will be announced between 2022 and 2026. So now we're waiting the two more awarded projects, but I could, we could spend all day and I could basically parse out the billions of dollars being basically parsed out to different projects within the carbon capture space. There's a lot of funding going towards carbon capture, carbon storage, carbon sequestration, and also Mm -hmm. utilization of, of CO2 because basically CO2 has a low intrinsic value. What are we supposed to do with the CO2? Can we do anything with the CO2? And the bipartisan infrastructure law is going to be basically investing time and effort and money into figuring out what are we supposed to do with the CO2? Do we just store underground? Are we capturing it from the atmosphere? And so in the next five years, we hope to see a lot of technological advancements within this, within this industry, which was funded by the federal government, which is great to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll go through some of your bullets. No, no, no doubt that those those four are very important, and they are, you know, funded to to uh, I think a total of three and a half billion or or more. But there are some some other interesting um, incentives. I see a hundred fifteen million dollars allocated um, to the DOE for prize competitions too. I, I believe uh, focused on direct air capture. Mm-hmm. There's a hundred million on commercial technologies and another fifteen million for pre-commercial technologies. 
Um, so there's an awful lot of, um, you know, call it, you know, ancillary investments that are here to, uh, you know, facilitate this, this industry moving forward. And, you know, Gavin, as, as you know, we have, we had talked uh, off camera before we started today that for, for me with a little bit of gray hair, this reminds me very much of the early, um, LED light emitting diode marketplace where, where the U.S. Department of Energy, you know, um, and, and the, the Congress, Congress granted them money to drive that industry forward. And, you know, we're, while we might still be in a state of disbelief about carbon capture, uh, you know, I do remember a time where people would say an LED, that's the red indicator light on your piece of electronic equipment or your remote control. And how could that ever be light your home or be a street light or a headlight or things like that? But we're really the U.S. The U.S. Department of Energy is following the same model here, and I have no doubt that ultimately they will be, you know, very successful in facilitating and um, and actually funding projects that address the hurdles and the pain points, you know, to, that that are are holding this back or or are obstacles. A hundred percent. That was a great analogy. And I just want to remind everybody that we are just looking at the these two bills on a, on a very we're using a microscope. We're looking at these two specific industries that are receiving billions of dollars. But there are other massive industries such as the EV industry, the wind industry and the solar industry receiving mass uh, amounts of money from these two bills as well. But today we just wanted to really focus in on the carbon capture space. Because there is a lot of questions around the space itself and the technology itself, but between these two bills, we're on we're we're on progress in meeting these net zero emissions in 2030 and 2050. And I just want to remind everybody that the carbon capture is a opportunity to reduce our emissions, and that's the end game. That's the that's where we're all here, and that's where we're all working towards. Well, Gavin, before this has been this has been a fascinating discussion. Uh, but before we go, do you, would you like to comment on, uh, you, you did it in a way, but, um, what do you see for the future and any, any closing thoughts for our audience today? What I see for the future is it's bright and I hope it's diversified. I hope we continue to see bills like this coming out and I want to just make sure that everyone is staying informed and advocating for supporting these policies. And considering maybe investing in this space because these spaces are going to be heavily invested in within the next decade or more, hopefully more. And the future is bright and with collective ed, uh, effort, we will be able to achieve our carbon reduction goals. And I hope to continue sharing these amazing stories with you, Jim, on this podcast. <laughs> that's, that's great, Gavin. Um, before, before we go, um, I know Gavin is, um, Engaged in a monthly publication mm-hmm. that, that researches and describes and communicates, um, environmental regu- regulations, legislation, and, you know, other, other trade initiatives. Um, can you talk about that a little bit and perhaps, uh, inform our audience how they could get on your, uh, mail list? Yes, of course. So uh, since April of 2023, I have been covering energy regulations domestically and internationally. So I cover the United States, Europe and Asia. And basically, I post a monthly blog at the end of every month covering uh, any outstanding policies I've seen and what it means for you and I and companies and why people should basically 
uh, stay well informed about these policies coming out because there's a lot of talk, but I basically cover any regulations that have been instated. I, I post monthly on my LinkedIn and I also post these blogs, um, monthly on the ARC website. And hopefully down the road, we will get a newsletter out to everybody that will also include the energy regulation roundup and on there as well. Well, thanks, Gavin, for, for joining us today. Again, our guest has been Gavin Simon, the lead sustainability analyst for ARC Advisory Group and also my esteemed colleague here. Um, I would like to remind our audience that that on our sustainability podcast, we often have guests. And in, in most cases, they, they are not our colleagues, but they are actually mm-hmm. people from, you know, from the trade, from the industry that simply have good, solid, compelling application stories about sustainability. So if you have a compelling story or if you know someone who does, We'd be more than willing to talk to you and have you here as a guest on a future edition of the Sustainability Podcast. So thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us today. And thank you again, Gavin. We'll see you on, on our next episode. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great day.